This morning we kick off our generosity sermon series. And for those of you who are watching online and can't see the faces in the pews, when I said the phrase generosity sermon series, not one person in the pews smiled. Why? Why is there a lack of enthusiasm over such a great thing like generosity? Because you believe that when I said the word generosity that I am going to talk about your money. And you didn't come to church today to talk about money. You came to talk about God. I have good news and bad news. The parable that we're going to look at this morning from Matthew chapter 25 on the surface is all about money, but Jesus is using money as an illustration to talk about deeper things. God, the kingdom of God, and where you fit in. So as we read this story from Matthew 25, try to, it's a, it's a fictional story, it's a, it's a story created by Jesus, but try to figure out as, as we're reading it, who represents God in the story? Who represents us? And perhaps through this fictional story, what God is trying to say to you. Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. And he's going to say, again, it, the it is the kingdom of heaven. So he's talking about this unseen eternal kingdom. Again, it, the kingdom of heaven, will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold. To another, two bags. And to another, one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also, the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Whose money was it? Was it his money? Good. His master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many. You may enter into your master's joy. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags. See, I have gained two more. 
His master. Isn't it great when you have good news for your boss? You have good news for your parents, right? You're excited. I, that's how I see this going down, right? They're really excited. Look, I, 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 I doubled, the, doubled the wealth. I'm, I'm really happy. So his master says the same thing to him in verse 23. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who received one bag of gold came. You can imagine how he's feeling. Master, he said. So just for, for the record, when, you're, when you kind of don't do what you're supposed to do, don't start your conversation with that person with an insult. Just good life advice I'm giving to you from the pulpit today. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. At least put my money in one of those savings accounts where you get 0.002%. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of the teeth. So if you look at chapter 25 of Matthew's Gospels, you will see an entire series of parables about how to wait for the coming of Jesus Christ. That there's a right way to wait and there's a wrong way to wait until you meet with God again. And in this particular parable, Jesus likens the kingdom of heaven. He's telling us about the kingdom of heaven by telling a story about a man who goes away on a journey. And later in the parable, this same man is recognized as master, right? They're, they're calling him master. Master, look what I have done with your resources. The Greek word for master is also translated as sir or lord. So they're saying sir, term of respect, lord, a term of reverence, master, a term of one who has authority over you. And parables, you just need to know this, are open to interpretation, and there are many valid interpretations to this text. The way that I see this parable today, next year I may preach it a little bit differently, but the way I see it is that the master represents Jesus in the story. That Jesus is the one who is telling his disciples that he is preparing to go away on a journey. And of course, looking back at it 2,000 years later, we know what the journey entailed, right? Jesus went to the cross. He went through the empty tomb before he ascended back to heaven. Jesus, the man who went on a journey. 
And Jesus is using this parable to warn his disciples, I'm, I'm going away. A time is coming where I will no longer be physically present with you. And in the parable before the master goes away, he calls his servants. And I see the servants as the ones who represent us. If you're going to insert yourself in the story, unless you're a billionaire, perhaps you're not going to insert yourself as the master, but as one of the servants. And so just imagine this with me, okay? Just, just take a second to imagine it. Whatever you're imagining right now, stop imagining that. Imagine this. The master calls you. He calls me. He calls us together. And he says, I have big news for you. I'm going away. And then he says something that shocks us. He looks each of us, the young and the old, people who have been servants for a long period of time, and those of us who are new to the kingdom. And he says, Peter, I heard you when you put your faith in me and swore to never betray me. And then you betrayed me. Peter, I trust you. He looks at Mary. He says, Mary, you showed me your love when you washed my feet. And I know that you're struggling with the demons of your past. Mary, I trust you. Paul, I don't know if we have a Paul in here today. Paul, I know your zeal for God and for righteousness. I watched that zeal turn to rage and violence against the innocent. Paul, I trust you. Thomas, I know your doubts. Thomas, I know you struggle to trust me and even to trust yourself. Thomas, I trust you. And it, do you know how someone proves their, their trust? Because, because I can say that to you today. I, I, I trust in you. But, but do, you know what, do, you, do you know what it means for someone to prove it to you? As an employee, do you know when your boss really trusts you? How about as a 16-year-old? Do you know when your parents really trust you as a 16-year-old boy who perhaps cannot be trusted with a power tool? They hand you the keys. And then they say, be back by nine or you'll never see these keys again. The greater the gift, the greater the opportunity, the greater the privilege, the greater the blessing, the greater the show of 
trust. That's how it works. And we know that in the parable that the master has great trust in his servants by the sheer quantity of money that he is willing to give his servants to manage as he goes away on a journey. And we really know that the master trusts the servants because the master does not give them any instructions. Because I can give you a greater responsibility and perhaps even my car to use. But if I'm giving you a million instructions and I'm tracking you on my phone where you're going and your speed, I don't really trust you. But in the parable, the master doesn't give the servants any instructions. He just gives them the bags of gold. And commentators aren't really sure how much money this is, but we know it's a lot of money and this is what they agree on. And you might feel bad for the one who received one bag. It's not fair. Why do you only get one? They say that that bag of gold was worth the equivalent of over a quarter of a million dollars. It's a pretty good start, right? The one who received two bags of gold was well over half a million dollars and the five bags of gold was closer to two million dollars. That's real trust. Here's what I want to propose to you as the first point of the sermon this morning. Your track record may not say that you ought to be trusted by God. You might be able to look at yourself in the mirror and say, I, I've actually violated God's trust. There's some things that I've mishandled or, or, or lied about or wasted. Yet in the parable, the master says, I trust you. That God sees us as trustworthy people. Literally, God said to Peter in Matthew 16, 18, I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Literally, Jesus said that to him. You're trusted by God. Number two, Jesus mentions the, the sheer quantity of blessing, the, the value of the gifts that his servants have received. I also think that many of us think way too little of ourselves. Maybe we have a low self-esteem. Just if, if someone asked us what we were good at, and this is a good exercise for you if you're sitting here with someone that is in your family or a friend, maybe after the service during coffee hour, Maybe you, you ask that person over coffee instead of, oh, it's the weather's great. Maybe you ask this question, what are you good at? What are, what are you really good at? What are you gifted in? What are, your, what are your talents? I think most of us look at ourselves and we say, well, maybe, maybe I'm good at this one thing. I, I don't have much, but I, I, I have this little thing that's a part of me. In the parable, it's, there's this quantity of gift, of talent, of resource, of wealth that the servants have to offer to the world. What does that tell us about ourselves, the servants of the master? You're not talentless, you're talented. It's not that you have too little to offer to the world. You've been gifted by the master. You're, you're not deprived, you're resourced by heaven thanks to the master. 
The servants are gifted, and it's not because they did something or proved something, it's because the master is generous. The master is gracious. The master is willing to give of the gifts of his kingdom to his servants. That the master is the one who empowers his servants to do the work of the kingdom. That's the second point of the sermon. You're trusted and you have been gifted and empowered by God. You have something special to offer to the world. And it's not because you're great. It's because the master has put it in you. Jesus says things like this about us. You are the light of the world. You say, I have nothing to offer. And that's not humility. It's blindness. You say that my best days are behind me. There's nothing I could possibly do. It's not faith. It's fear. You're gifted and talented and resourced because you are a servant of the master and the master has been generous and good to his servants. I was thinking about what this day means, not in terms of Reformation Sunday. I'm too worldly for that. I was thinking of the other holiday that's happening today. And of course, there's, there's a part of me that was kind of hoping that a lot of kids didn't come to our door because we haven't bought candy yet. Just being honest, I haven't gone out to get the candy yet. But then as I started thinking about these bags, the one bag of gold, the two bags of gold, the five bags of gold, I started to hope that the kids would come to my door and that kids would come to your door as well. And that for you, it wouldn't just be about filling them with sugary goodness. What the bags that they bring full of candy, the bag that I do not want my two-year-old to get her hands on, it's filled with all these treats, all these things. They're filled, these bags that are filled. And I just hope that when you see kids going out and trick-or-treating and carrying these bags of candy, that it will remind you, it will be a symbol of the bag that God has given you and how God has filled your bag even more generously than those kids' bags are filled with candy on this day. Just want to get that across to you, that you have been given a bag full of the goodness and of the blessings of God. Again, I just want to say it again so someone can get it. You have something to offer to the world. You have something to give to the world that no one else has to give for the glory of God. That you think your light has gone out, but it hasn't gone out. The light in you is the light of Christ and it shines in the darkness. Now let me tell you a, a little story about that. I'm reading a biography by a, about a Christian writer named Eugene Peterson. Eugene Peterson actually rewrote the Bible for people who have a hard time reading the Bible. This man has had a massive impact on the world for the glory of God. During college, Eugene Peterson was going through a major faith crisis. The way he describes himself is feeling dead inside. So he goes to his pastor. You know what the guy wearing the robe did to him? Lectured him. He went to one of the church elders. You know what the, the church elder did? Tried to just jam scripture down his throat. Eugene didn't know who to turn to. 
there was a quiet guy sitting in the pew. His name was Reuben. Reuben was kind of grisly, if that's a way to describe a human. He was grisly, kind of prickly, just a guy who was really rough around the edges, blue-collar worker type of guy. And Eugene, for some reason, went up to Reuben. And he was afraid of Reuben, and he was afraid to share what was going on, but he said, Reuben, this is what's happening. Would you be willing to meet with me? And Reuben says to him, you want to meet with me? If that's what you want, meet me in the church basement after supper on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Eugene said that Reuben didn't pray with him. There were no elaborate prayers. Reuben didn't even recite Bible verses. Reuben sat with him every Tuesday and Thursday that summer and listened to Eugene. And Eugene says, I can't describe what happened, but I know that after that summer, I was different. My perspective, my outlook, my faith was different. Something had changed within me. God gave Reuben the gift of time, and Reuben gave his time to what was important to his master. So what blessings has God filled your bag with? What talents, what relationships, what resources, what passions has God given to you? If you could invest your life into doing something excited, exciting for God, what would it be? I would just encourage you to invest it in what's important to your master. We're going to move to the last point of our sermon this morning. As the story said, the, the man who was given five bags gained five more. The one who received two bags gained two more. And after a long time, the master of those servants returned and he settled his accounts with them. What they say is this is a reference to judgment. This is a reference to the day of judgment. When I mentioned generosity, no one smiled. When I just mentioned judgment, again, no one smiled. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. And so the idea is Christ meeting with Christ again, either in this life or the next, and Christ settling accounts. What we've done in this life we're being held accountable for. Here's what I want you to see. Work pretty capitalist type society, right? Many of us know our numbers. Just, you know, off the cuff. If, if one of your employees, let's just say you're the owner of a business, and one of your employees comes with, you gave him five bags, and he comes with five more bags. You come back, and you're settling the couch, he gets you five more bags of gold. A couple million dollars. I don't know, four or five million dollars he brings to you. And then... The, the other servant comes along and he gained two bags and closer to a million dollars, a million plus. Which servant gets the greater reward? Which, which servant do you deem to be more successful? Which employee would you rather have in your company? The one who brings you the five million or the one who brings you the two million? Who deserves the greater reward from the master? The one who got the $5 million or the one who got the $2 million? I think altogether we would say the one who earned you more gets the greater reward. The one who earned more gets what we would deem to be 
more successful, right? The one who gets more money is more successful. Here's what I find interesting about the end of the parable. The master doesn't say, well done, good and successful servant, right? You, you have the word of God before you. He doesn't use the word successful. He's not measuring the success. He's not measuring the results, the outcome, or the productivity slash profitability of the servants. I saw this word over and over again in the scripture. Faithful. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful. The master's not after success. We can't guarantee success or outcomes or results. The master is looking for people to be faithful with what they've been given. And we're judged not with what, by what we started with, but how faithful we've been with what we've been giving. Mother Teresa was asked a question by a reporter from the BBC, and the reporter asked, how are you doing this? You're taking care of the dying in the streets of Calcutta, and you'll never take care of all of them, right? You're, you're never going to be, and in other words, you're never really going to be successful in your mission because your mission is to take care of the dying, and they're dying, and you're not taking care of them. Mother Teresa looked at the reporter and said, God hasn't asked me to be successful. God has asked me to be faithful. So when you look at yourself in the mirror this week and you look at someone who's trusted by the master, gifted with extraordinary gifts to offer to the world to build up the kingdom of God, for each of us, we have a different answer. What does it look like to be faithful with what you've been given? And I'm really going to end here. And you can ask me about the third servant being thrown into the darkness, the gnashing and the weeping of teeth after the sermon. But I want to end on this, on this note. I'm just going to say this about him because I can't contain myself. The third servant really never knew the master. He never knew the master. He never knew the love of the master, right? He accuses the master of being a hard man. The master was generous and kind and caring and, and gracious. So he never knew the master. And the reason that he's thrown into the darkness is not because he wasn't productive. That would defeat the purpose. The reason he was thrown into the darkness is because he never really knew the master to begin with. He couldn't believe in a master as good as our master and our Lord. So what's the reward now? What's the reward for being trusted, gifted, and faithful today? I think the story of Reuben and Eugene is a great way to conclude. Decades after Reuben sat with Eugene, Eugene called him. This is after Eugene Peterson is Eugene Peterson rewriting the Bible calls Reuben and tells him what an impact Reuben had on his life, how, how Reuben saved his faith. God used him in that way. Eugene found it strange that there was silence on the other end of the line. And Reuben said, I'm old and I'm ill. I'm stuck in this bed. No one's ever said anything like that to me before. 
People just always wanted me to fix things. They thought that's all I was good for. And Eugene heard the sound of Reuben, this tough guy, crying. And he was crying tears of joy. Reuben was experiencing what we all want, happiness. He had entered into his master's happiness. That's my hope for you, for me, for us. The servants, those who are trusted, gifted, and faithful. That this will be our story. Amen.